Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello. Welcome back to The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, getting the promises of God into the people of God, which is where they belong. This is episode number 117, and today I'm going to be talking a little bit about Psalm 27. It is a psalm written by David, and we all know, most of us know, pretty sure we all know, that David was just so honest in what he wrote, honest about his life, honest about his walk with the Lord. Um, And when we read parts of the Old Testament, think about, um, you know, Samuel and Kings, those books, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, we see glimpses into his life that give us an idea of um, the hardships he actually went through, the sins he committed. Um, It just, it's just a beautifully raw and honest picture of his life. And when we combine it with the Psalms that David wrote for us, we just get this picture of what it actually means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. And I love that. I love that so much that we have the realness of the Bible, that it's not prettied up, cleaned up. Um, It doesn't get all gussied up for us, right? I mean, it just is what it is. And that's why it offers us so much hope. So today we're going to talk about actually probably just two verses from Psalm 27. I'm going to be looking at the New Living Translation. We're going to look at verses one and two. And um, yeah, and then I think I'm going to spread this out a little bit, this look at Psalm 27. But I also have to tell you, I think for next week, we're not going to be on Psalm 27. We're going to look at Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11 I know the Lord dropped that on my heart this morning to work on for next week. So, man, that's a big one. You can read it in advance. You can look it up. You can start reading through the entire chapter of Isaiah 55 if you want to in advance of next week's podcast, because it's just, I'm telling you what, it's good stuff there. And when we find a promise from God, we have got to grab hold of it and believe it. If we really want to to let that be part of our sanctification, I guess. If we want to grow up in the Lord and become mature, we've got to be in the word and we've got to believe what the word of God says because it's his word and it is living and active. If we don't believe God's word, I'm not really sure we totally believe God. I think you probably know exactly what I mean, where you've had times where you read the Bible and you're like, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if I can believe that. And then you walk into a situation uh, woo, ee, yikes, ouch, boom. You really just feel like you kind of get wrecked on. But then contrast that with another time where you really believed something from God's word. I mean, you were like, man, against all odds, I believe this. This is true and it's true for me right now. And then you walk into a situation and boom, you're just walking through it victoriously. It doesn't mean everything works out perfectly, but it does mean, it does mean that you know the victory is yours through Christ Jesus. At one point or another, instant victory, sometimes walk through it, walk through 
through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, through. We don't live there. We don't stay there forever. We go through it. Sometimes that's a victory. Sometimes a victory will come when we step into eternity. But knowing that you have the victory comes with believing what God's word says. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in Psalm 27 here. Just the reality of life and how God's word impacts and changes and improves the reality that we're living in. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode number 117. All right, so I'm going to read verse 1, and um, and then we're going to talk about verse 1, and then I'll read verse 2, and we'll talk about verse 2, and then I'm going to close it by reading the very tail end of this psalm, just because it's encouraging. Okay, verse 1, NLT, New Living Translation, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? All right, so I just have some thoughts on this, kind of some notes that I took, which I want to encourage you. If you're not a note taker, that's totally fine. You don't have to be a Bible journaler to still have some kind of a notebook that you use when you read the Bible. Like Keep it open next to you, or even like a... You can also take it to church with you and take sermon notes on Sunday morning, right? And it's a really good thing I have found in my own experience to review the sermon notes from Sunday all throughout the week. It keeps you connected to uh, what the Lord wants to do in your life and to the body of Christ in a really special way. And it's amazing how many times something from the sermon will jump out at you as you do your daily Bible reading or will come to mind. It's just, you know, if if we just only listen to it, that's great. But sometimes there's a lot more that God can speak to us over the course of the whole week. And I can tell you from the work I do in my writing or preparing for the podcast each week and the study time and the prayer time, I don't think your pastor on Sunday morning wants you to just let it roll off your back like water off a duck. I think the work that goes in is A, because of a calling, You know, you have an accountability factor there once God has called you. I'm not responsible to give an account for what God hasn't called me to do, only for what he has called me to do. So a lot of pastors, most pastors, they take that seriously. They put in the work. They prayed over it. They want it to to bear fruit in your life. Um, And B, there's just the the factor of like a dialed in and wanting to mature, mature congregation blesses a pastor in ways you cannot imagine and taking notes and then reviewing those notes over the sermon, even if it's just one or two little sentences or snippets of a sentence, man, what a difference that will make. Just try it and see and keep your notebook. That same notebook can be open next to you when you read your Bible each day of the week. You know, your daily Bible reading, you might see something and write it down. And then from there, you're going to be amazed at how God starts to remind you of something that you wrote down that was spirit-led, right? Something that he spoke to you and you can share it with other people because what we get from the Lord is never really just for us. I really don't think it's just for us. There are times you're going to get a really special blessing from the Lord. It's just for you. But there are times, most of the time, I really, really do believe this. You need to share it with somebody else. Maybe not everything every day, but there's going to come a point in time when you're going to be able to encourage somebody with something. Or, you know, one time I was going through something and yeah, you know, The Lord just put this on my heart in my daily prayer time, and I wrote it down, and it might encourage you. Boom, right there is reason enough to write it down. And I can 
pretty much guarantee you, you know, like I guarantee that will happen. That will happen. The Lord will make that part of your daily life, your daily ministry, and we all have a daily ministry. So all of that to say, as I was reading Psalm 27, I took some notes, right? Okay, so um, when I read verse one, you know, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my fortress. Wow. Okay, so what does that mean? He is our light. He is our salvation. He is our fortress. He will never stop protecting us from danger. It says, the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? He, that doesn't mean to me that it's like here and there, or only in dire straits, life and death emergencies. No, no, no. No, he's never going to stop protecting me from danger. Never. And never means never. So that's a really beautiful concept if you think about it. That word never. Sometimes we live as if never means mostly. Never means occasionally. Never means a one-off. No, no, no. Never means never. He will never stop protecting us from danger. So what, what really is being promised to us here? Well, first of all, light. He is our light. So that's the ability to see clearly as he leads us, right? You're not going to see clearly if you walk away from him. If you're off over in the darkness doing things that you know he doesn't want you to be doing. No, no. If you're, le- if you're following his lead, you're, you're promised this light. He is your light. What does light do? It dispels darkness. It makes your path in front of you clear. It changes everything in a dark room or a dark-ish room, and you turn on the light. Wow, what a difference it makes. Just some light makes a huge difference. So light, he's promising to be your light. Darkness will be dispelled from your life, and you will see the path in front of you. Maybe not the whole path, but step-by-step or sometimes a few steps ahead. Isn't that enough? Yes, it absolutely is. Why? Because you're walking with Jesus. So of course it's enough. If I'm walking with somebody that I absolutely love, think about early dating days or something with your, with your spouse, right? You, you enjoy just being with them and you don't have to know all of what's coming. You enjoy the moment. We forget to enjoy the moment with the Lord and to just walk in the light of this moment with him and enjoy his promises right now. We get a little bit ahead of ourselves and we want to know what's next. Well, What's happening now that he wants us to just enjoy and go through with him or be close to him in that moment? Not everything is enjoyable, but he is always our joy. Okay, so he also promises to be our salvation. It says that the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's my personal salvation. And if you know the Lord, he's yours too. So, you know, think about that. What does that, what does that kind of bring to mind? For me, it's like, well, he's my rescuer my deliverer, my protector. My salvation is the one who loves me the most, the mostest of all. Fortress. He is my fortress. He is your fortress. Well, I think when I think of fortress, nobody and nothing is going to get to you outside of the Savior's permission. Nobody and nothing is going to get to you or at you outside of the Savior's permission. You know, sometimes you hear that word, his permissive will. Well, you know, is it, it's, it's, um, that's a little bit different, but that's what comes to mind here. The will of God isn't willy nilly. Nothing outside of his permission is going to get to you when you make him your fortress. But I do want to add a little something here. Um, you know, first of all, let me say that you think about what Job said in the book of Job. He said that um, we, we just see Satan going to God and asking to be able to attack Job. And 
God said, you can in this way and this way, but not this way. Like he set limits and Satan had to abide by them. And so that's, think about that. Like he's your fortress. Nothing is going to get to you outside of his permission. The book of Job just shows us what this actually looks like when Satan comes to attack us. Satan was created by God. Sometimes we get it mixed up and we think that's like a the, the scales, right? And God's over here and Satan's over here and they're battling or it's not even close, guys. It's not even close. Satan was created as one of God's angels and he rebelled. Rebellion is a terrible thing. In First Samuel, it's um, likened to witchcraft, the sin of rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. That's not a thing. The sin of rebellion is as witchcraft before the Lord. So that's some dark and dangerous stuff, right? So look, he, but he was created. They're not equals. It isn't like, ooh, Jesus versus Satan. It's, it's not even close. It's not even close. Think about it. This is Jesus who defeated death. He conquered death. If you think about that, even for a hot second, you realize, whoa, there's no power that can stand against that. That's right. There's not, certainly not the power of something that was created by the one who conquered and defeated death and hell. So, okay, listen. So he had to go and ask God how much he could do to Job, how much he could do to Job. And God made it clear, you can do this and you can't do that. All right, that's comforting for us. That's super comforting for us. But uh, but the enemy He wanted to do a lot more, but God stayed his hand in Job's life. And he does the same for you. I want you to remember that. And listen, believe, like you got to actually believe. You can't just be like, yeah, I don't know if God's really going to protect me. No, no. You just make a decision to believe that he is going to protect you. Not because you're awesome and you're super righteous. No, no. You and I, we're not awesome. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. Jesus saves us. Jesus is awesome. He is, you're not righteous. I'm not righteous. Our righteousness is in Christ. That means God sees Jesus's righteousness when he looks at us. Not that we somehow, uh, you know, we got it figured out. We got it together. I'll never get my life together enough to earn one single iota of what I've gotten from the Lord, right? He's so good. He doesn't give us what he deserves. That's what grace and mercy is about. So it's, it's not about um, you earning it, but you do need to believe it and receive it. Sometimes receiving's hard. Receive it. God's offering this to you. Receive it. He is your fortress. Just believe it and receive it. Yep, this is true. And it's true for me right now. No matter what your right now is all about, this is what's true for you. Okay, so, you know, he, he, um, gosh, he's, your father is your God. And you need to believe that your God, your father has his hand on the thermostat of your life. When we forget this, when we forget that God is in control, even of the devil and even of all of the hard things we're facing, when we forget that, it's kind of like we give the enemy access that God does not want him to have. God doesn't want Satan having total access to our lives. And he gets that usually by changing our thinking, right? Because how we think is how we live. So God doesn't want Satan having access to us in in the way that we think, because when we start doubting or even when we kind of just simply fail to remember, remember, fail to call to mind. Like you got to remembering is recalling to mind, calling back to mind what God has promised. When we forget or doubt what God has promised us in his word, in the Bible, it's, it's just like one more little breath before we go from doubting or forgetfulness to fear. And Satan wants us at that point of fear. Fear screams so loudly 
You know what I'm saying? And it gives the enemy a seat at our table. When we give in to fear, it's like we're saying, come on in and sit down, devil. No, no, that is not God's will for us. Absolutely not. Because once the devil sits down with us, what does he do? Well, he starts talking, right? When you dine with somebody, you're usually talking with them. And what is the devil's native language? Lies. He is a liar and the truth is not in him, is what Jesus said. So he's going to be speaking his native tongue. And we don't need to listen to his native tongue. Because his lies that he's trying to work into your mind, you know, they, they get into our thinking and then they change our living. They change what we believe. But when we know that our Savior is our fortress... And we know that nothing comes into our life. Nothing happens to us outside of his control. When we know that, we can shut out the enemy's lies. That keeps the enemy out of our thoughts. And when we keep him out of our thoughts, we keep him out of our living. It, it kind of like takes his fear mongering, and Satan is a fear monger. It takes that fear mongering and it crushes it down into dust. And then it just blows away like chaff in the wind. Let's just choose to dine with Jesus. Think about Psalm 23 again. He will set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That doesn't mean that the enemies aren't there and that the enemies aren't real. This isn't Pollyanna-ish type of living. You can be like, man, I'm in the midst of something really huge. And yet here in the presence of my enemies, I'm dining with Jesus. He sets a table for me. He's going to comfort me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to be much with me as I am much with him. He's going to give me his peace. His love is just going to pour out over my life. It doesn't mean that the enemy is eating with us to be in the presence of our enemy. We don't invite him to pull up a chair. Absolutely not. So the the junk may not just disappear and dissipate. However, you can choose whether or not you let him sit and eat and dine with you. Absolutely don't. Give him no quarter. We give no quarter to the enemy. You know, we eat with those that we do life with. We dine. Dining is kind of like a a more extended. It brings to mind something different than grabbing a burger or running into somebody in line at the coffee shop. Like dining with somebody is intentional. It's usually people that you do life with. It might be a work situation, but just think about who you're choosing to do life with. We dine with the people that we want to dine with. We don't do life with the devil. We just don't do life with that old stinking liar. And so we don't want to dine with him. Okay, so verse two, uh, I'm going to read that from, again, the New Living Translation. I'm just going to stay in this version of the Bible today. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. All right. Um, you know, it says when. The first word in verse two of Psalm 27 is when, when evil people come, when, so they're going to come, they're going to come. Being a disciple of Jesus does not mean that nobody with evil intentions is ever going to start trying to work against me, harm me, so on, et cetera, et cetera. Look, some people are going to come to devour you. That's what the word of God says. That's not what Jan says. That's what the word of God says. Don't be shocked by this. Sometimes we come to Jesus and then we get shocked when life is still actually life. We live in a fallen world and there are people who are evil. I'm not saying that. I'm not calling anybody names. I am simply just stating what the Bible says. It's better to be wise as a serpent 
but innocent as a dove. It's better to have some shrewdness. These are all New Testament words in red. Jesus taught about this things here that I'm saying. It's better to be wise but innocent than to be naive and um, foolish and not innocent. Jesus loves you and he wants you protected. You don't need to run around and judge people, but you can make a right judgment and say, okay, I think there might be some evil going on here. That doesn't mean it's my job to condemn the person. Uh, There is one righteous judge and it's not me. Uh, But it is my job to say, okay, I'm going to be a little wise here. I'm not going to let you sit down and dine with me. I'm going to know that evil is still in this world. And being a disciple of Jesus does not insulate me from all of it. From a lot of it, yeah. From more than we could ever even imagine, yeah, we don't even know the things that God has prevented and rescued and spared us from. However, there's still going to be bad days and bad people. It's just reality of living in this world. But when we believe this promise. We're not shocked by it, but we believe the promise that comes here in verse two, that they will stumble and fall. When they come to attack, they will stumble and fall. What's going to happen? They're going to stumble and they're going to fall. It's a promise. It's that word will. They will stumble and fall. I talk about that word will a lot because if we don't believe that God is going to do what he wills, then we're missing out. And he's getting a lot less glory. So just believe that it's going to happen. And look, this happens so many times that I've just, I know you've seen it. I've seen it. But think about, you know, we're, we read this and we want to say, okay, so that's instant. It's not always instant. It could be years and years later. So often when this stumbling and falling happens, it's very much after the fact. I, I may hear about somebody and be just like amazed at what all went down, right? Like, I'm not talking about in a gossipy way where I'm running around trying to figure out everything going on in everybody's lives that I feel like was ever evil against me. No, 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 no. That is not Christ-like. Don't go looking for someone's downfall. Don't be gossipy. Don't do it. That is, that's totally unbiblical. And truly, it is, it's beneath you as a child of God. Don't engage in gossip. And don't go looking for somebody's downfall. Just don't do it. That is beneath you as a child of God. It's beneath your station. It's totally unbiblical. God can't bless that. It's, uh, it's not right. You forgive because the Lord says to. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive, my Father in heaven will not forgive you. Those are big words. Those are big words. So take them seriously because big words are meant to be big for a reason. They're meant to make an impact. He wasn't kidding. Take him at his word. So don't go looking for somebody's downfall. But here is something that my husband and I have experienced, right? Like you bump into somebody, say, at the gas pump. And you're like, oh my goodness, it's so good to see you. And you're catching up briefly. And then they say, did you hear about so-and-so? And, And, you know, so-and-so is like, they don't even know what went down between you and -and so-and-so. They're just like, did you hear about this? It's crazy what happened to him. And da-da-da-da-da here. And you go, wow, okay, (laughs) that's... Wow, it just reminds you that, okay, God God saw, and he cared, and in his way, he disciplined them. Now listen, Hebrews says God disciplines those whom he loves. So if you are in, if you know Jesus, like if you know somebody who you know is a Christian, or has been, and maybe they just got a hard heart right now, they're in rebellion, backsliding, whatever you want to call it, if God is still disciplining them, that's good. Man, you keep praying, you keep like, you'd say, thank you, Jesus, for it. even though you look at the discipline and say, oh, that's, oh, that's harsh. Well, sometimes it is, says the book of Hebrews, but he disciplines those he loves. I would be very concerned if someone stopped being disciplined by the Lord like someone who is a professing Christian, 
I would be like, oh, man, I never want to get to that point. Because if he disciplines those he loves, what does it mean when he stops disciplining someone who's in his kingdom? Ooh, and I've kind of seen that happen. People can start dabbling in things, even... Even people in leadership in the church can start dabbling in things and stop being disciplined. And it's really um, heartbreaking to see. Like, I'm talking about reading about like, oh, this person is a Buddhist and also a Christian, and I'm going to take this book and the whole church should read it, you know, from a leadership position. It's like, uh, watch out for that. Seriously. Like, no, that's not, I mean, all kinds of weird, like new age teachings can start to creep in and things that are like, mm, and I've seen the Lord stop disciplining them. Just, it seems like, okay, they're just getting away with it. Uh, that's a scary place to be because God's judgment will come. I mean, it, it just does. We all die once. It is appointed a man once to die and then to face the judgment. That's coming for everybody, whether you know Jesus or not. But if you've been professing Jesus and living for Jesus, and it really seems like you knew Jesus, and then you start peeling off and doing these other things, Ooh, watch out for that. That is like, I want to stay where God is disciplining me. And I have lived long enough to know that how you finish as a Christian matters tremendously. You can, I've known people who their whole life have been sold out for the Lord in the last couple of years. They just kind of got bitter and hard hearted and, and distrustful and angry and, oh no, no, I want to finish well. How you finish matters, right? When you're watching a football game, are you really all that concerned until the fourth quarter. And if you don't know what a fourth quarter can do, uh, you need to look up the March, you know, go back to March, um, the March football game against the, uh, it's called 328 day now in the New England Patriots football fandom or whatever you want to call it. Like uh, we were down. I'm a New England fan. I have been since the eighties when they sucked totally. So, you know, don't roast me for that. For Like in New England, liked him forever. I liked him when I learned about middle school, I learned about American history and the revolution and patriotism. And I just thought, oh, I just like this team for that reason. Okay. They sucked back then. I've liked them a long time. No flames, but we were down in that Super Bowl. It going into the fourth quarter, like 28 to three against the Atlanta Falcons. The fourth quarters can win a Super Bowl. The fourth quarter of your life is a win-lose time. Don't forget that. It's not a time to rest on your laurels, spiritually speaking. It's not a time to stop investing into other people. It's not a time to cool off with your walk with the Lord. Man, it's a time to be as on fire as you ever were. The end matters tremendously. Okay. Also, um, man, I just lost my place. I got so excited talking about fourth quarters and endings because it's on my mind. I just turned 50. It's totally on my mind, the whole thing of finishing well. And I'm not... I'm not at the finish line, but you have these milestone moments where you think, all right, I really want to look at my life and evaluate it. And as a believer, I'm evaluating it in light of eternity and God's calling on my life because that's what really matters. So, um, you know, the end of it all is what makes a difference. The end of it all. So if you're not being disciplined, um, pray about that for sure. Pray about that. He disciplines those he loves. So, or he can have them stumble and fall. People who don't know the Lord, who aren't walking with him, who have totally rejected Jesus. God sees and he cares. And we see that showing up in how he deals with people. Now, even if only one time in your life you hear about somebody being dealt with by the Lord, stumbling and falling, and you know that only God could have done what he did there. Even if you only hear about it one time and you have 
50 people, say, who have come against you with evil intentions. You don't have to worry about the other 49. You don't need to know the details. That one time is just God saying, I saw and I care. I love you and I love them. But I'm going to deal with evil. And he does. Okay. A verse, ooh, you know what? Let's read verse three. Let's go for it. We're going to read verse three. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Is that not a good word? My heart will not be afraid. Have you ever been in a situation that's like really scary? Like that, ooh, I feel like my heart jumped up into my throat and it was really like, whoa, my heart was afraid. You know, it's like a, I got startled is one thing. I'm a little bit nervous about this is another. I'm scared about this. But that like, oh my goodness, I can feel real legit panic coming on and hitting me. You know what I'm talking about? Like when that happens, um, you know the difference between like, well, this is a little bit fearful or a momentary scare. This is not a startle kind of a thing David's talking about here. He's talking about a mighty army surrounding him. And his heart is not going to be afraid. Even if he is attacked personally, right? Even if I am attacked, it says, even if he is attacked personally, I will remain confident. Uh, you know, Job said, Job said something similar to this, where David says, even if I am attacked, that even if, those are two beautiful words. First, it tells me that we have the ability to remain, and remaining is staying, right? If you remain somewhere, you stay there to remain, to stay confident, even if, even if. Job said, though he slay me, talking about God, that he is capitalized there, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's even if, that's even if. The uh, the men in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those are their their Babylonian names. Uh, you know, they actually had names God gave them, and then the the captives changed their names. So I want you to know, even if somebody makes it's like forces a a change on you, that because names describe who you are. And in that culture, they would have been describing who they were affiliated with, the pagan god of the Babylonians. God still knows you're still His. He actually gets to say who you are. Nobody else gets to really say who you are. They, they might try to declare and decree things over you. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, and if somebody says to you, especially somebody who really doesn't know you one time, let alone more than one time in the course of knowing them, you're not who I thought you were. You should right there stop and pray and say, Lord, speak wisdom into this situation and protect me from whatever it is that they're trying to speak over me. Because when we start believing and things that people say about us, when you start questioning who we are in the Lord, when we stop remembering that God looks upon the heart, not the outward appearance, it's it can change so much. Satan can get us off track and stop us from doing the things that God wants us to do. Stop us from trusting the Lord the way he wants us to trust him. Stop us from speaking about him, sharing about him, praying big, bold prayers. So, uh, you know, when somebody says that to you, just stop and pray right there. And I do mean like mentally, stop and pray right there and just say, no, I don't, you know, especially somebody who doesn't know you, if it's not warranted, if you like irritated them a little bit or didn't meet one of their earthly personal expectations, because expectations are dangerous in relationships. You should have goals, but drop the expectations. They don't do any, they don't do any good. They just do a lot of damage. If I start expecting from you, you start expecting from me, Think about where that goes. You know where that goes. No, we're good. But goals, like, yeah, we'd like to work toward this goal in our marriage. Ah, that's brilliant. That's perfect. That's beautiful. I expect you to get me to this point in our marriage or get this done. Ah, that's a lot more combative. So if somebody is saying to you, you're not who I thought you were, just 
be okay with praying through that and saying, I don't receive anything that is a lie from the enemy in Jesus' name. And I hope you help them, Lord, with their misunderstanding and misconceptions and their expectations and maybe whatever may have happened in their life to make them nervous around other people. Bring healing, bring hope, bring your light and your truth. But I don't receive anything that kind of feels like a curse being spoken over me. I hope that makes sense. So Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's even if the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, even if our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bound down to that, that gold statue. Not doing it. Not doing it, Nebuchadnezzar. Don't care if you're king of Babylon and it's the mightiest superpower in the world at this time. Not doing it. And they didn't. That's even if. What about the life of Joseph? Man, I'm telling you, when I read about Joseph in the book of Genesis, I just see even if. It's like it was his way of living. He had an even if way of living from a young man. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, even if, man, I'm telling you. And there are so many things in Joseph's life that point to, um, to Jesus that just remind me of Jesus. Oh, it's amazing. It's beautiful. I mean, it's incredible. It really is incredible. Like if you have never really read it and said, Lord, would you just show me some things that you were, that you were, um, pointing to the Messiah to come, through Joseph, because Joseph had a supernatural kind of ability to endure things as a young man. He seems to have had supernatural understanding and wisdom as a young man. And even when people say, oh, Joseph was just a brat, you know, I think I heard, I was going to say who it was, I heard Beth Moore once say that Joseph was a brat. Joseph was a brat. Okay, maybe he wasn't wise in sharing his dreams with his brothers and his fathers, but they were dreams from God. So that's not like bratty. That's like God gave him a vision, a promise, dreams. And they came to pass. Um, and as far as like wearing the coat, his father gave it to him. His father robed him with that. He was wearing what his dad gave him. If you have a problem with that, maybe talk to dad. Ding, 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 ding. Sometimes that's the biggest problem in a family, right? It could be the parenting and the favoritism, not necessarily the one who was chosen as a favorite who didn't demand that role or that position. When he went to check on his brothers, with good reason. Read it. Read what they had. Where Here's where they're supposed to be with the sheep. And David gets there and they're not there. They're off over here near this other location. And that other location, oh, yeah, they had done some wrecking over there. Not that long prior. Oh, uh-oh, what are they doing over there? Trying to make trouble again? I mean, they were something of troublemakers. So you know what Joseph did? He wasn't being a brat. His dad said, go. I'm sending you. Go check on them. He went to check on them, and they were enraged when they saw him coming. Oh, that dreamer. Reminds you of David. When David fought Goliath, he was sent there by his father to take some supplies to the king, to the army, and to see how his brothers were doing, sent by his father because his father was concerned. That does not make you a brat. So, um, yeah, I'm just calling out Beth Moore by name. Like, that's she's just wrong. Joseph was not a brat. How do you go from being a total brat to behaving the way that he did? from day one in Egypt, in Potiphar's house. Where's the record of wrong against him biblically? We don't have a right to add to the word of God what's not there. What we see is someone who had a supernatural like anointing on their life to live in a way that is astounding, astounding for a young man. Also very encouraging, if you're a young person or an older person, God can give you the kind of life that glorifies him right in the midst of even the most trying of situations. I love Joseph's life. He lived an even-if lifestyle. 
it's a great reminder. It's a great reminder that God does wonderful, wonderful things, even if, and often in the younger family siblings, right? I mentioned David, like you can be one of the younger siblings in a family and God could do wonderful things in your life because he often does per the Bible. Maybe somebody needs to hear that today. You are not discounted, discredited, or less than because you're one of the younger siblings in a family. No, no, no. God doesn't view you that way. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. And his economy is unique because he is the perfect ideal economist. Nothing is wasted. Everything is beautiful. So, um, you know, your youngerness, it does not disqualify you or exclude you from God's will or from his work in this world. You have a role to play. Step into it and play it. Give it to him. Your youngness, your oldness, whatever it is, give it to him and let him use it. You know, I have a friend, Joanna Weaver. Uh, she wrote Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. Um, it's, it's a great book. Among other books that she's written that are wonderful, she says this, and it's not a direct quote, but pretty close. She says, you just pack your lunch every day. And what she means by that is you go spend time with the Lord and you let him feed you, right? Because that's, he is the bread of life. He is the living water. Let him feed you. Pack your lunch every day. And then what he gives to you from the word of God, how he fills you up as the bread of life how he quenches your thirst as the living water. You know, he says you'll never thirst again. Spiritually, you shouldn't, right? You go to him and you let him kind of feed you. You prepare a lunch with it. You pack it up and you give it to him, right? Just envision yourself saying, thank you for what you gave me. Now I offer it right back to you, Lord. You offer it to the Lord. He may feed you alone with that lunch or he may feed the masses with that lunch on any given day. Let him choose, I love how Joanna puts that. I totally butchered her quotes, but um, man, isn't that wonderful? You pack your lunch and give it to him. Let him feed whoever he wants to with it on any given day. That is a smart way to live right there. It truly is. I just want to read verse 14 as I close. I've gone long today and I apologize, but that's okay. You can break this up and listen to it in, in increments and you don't have to listen to it all at once. I guess I'm saying that at the end as you're listening. So yeah, not the time to say that, but you know what I mean? Okay. Sorry I went long, not sorry I went long. Verse 14 from the New Living Translation. I want to close with this. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. That's kind of a good benediction for many of us in the situations we're in right now. To wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Let your patience come from your bravery and your courageousness as you wait on him and let your bravery and courageousness come from your waiting patiently for the Lord. Let that be like just a big circle, a do loop round and round. I'm patient because I'm waiting for the Lord. I'm brave and courageous because I'm waiting for the Lord. Just let it go round and round and round and feed. I can be patient because of the bravery and courage that God has given me. And he gives that to me because I wait patiently for him. I trust him. I trust him. Lord, I trust you with this. Great prayer to pray. Lord, I trust you with X, Y, Z, whatever that might be. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up for sure. I'm ending now. Long, long show today. I'm going to be back next time for episode 118 to talk about Isaiah 55. And then we'll bounce back to Psalm 27 because there's a lot here. But um, I also am going to share a link to a quiz that I have. It's about which of God's promises is for you. So you can check that out. And I'm going to share a link to the uh, Homeschool Superheroes Summit 
which is coming up. I'm speaking twice at that. I'm actually very honored to be running a prayer room as a part of that online summit. Uh, For two weeks, I'm going to be heading up and running that prayer room starting next week. So it's super early bird week now. You can like get your tickets and things. And then next week is early bird week and you'll have access to um, the free ticket doesn't have access to any of the sessions yet, but you'll have access like to the prayer room and things. And the paid ticket has access to all the sessions next week early. So I'll just put my link to that in there. Um, It's phenomenal to think that people are going to be able to, over the course of two weeks, think about a normal homeschool conference. It might be a couple of days long. You go, you walk around, you look at the booths, you study things, you go to some of the, you know, you hear the keynotes if you want to, you do some breakout sessions. You might get to ask a question or two, but there's not a lot of time because there's another workshop coming up in that room and you've got to clear out that room and and you got to get back down there and look at the curriculum. Sometimes with the online summit, you have more access to people to talk to the speakers, to ask questions. So to have this where Carrie, who runs it, is setting up this thing where you can for two weeks join the prayer room once a day and then later on twice a day. That's amazing to get prayed for. How much would I have loved that to be able to just say, can you pray for this for me? Yes. Yes, I can. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm also humbled and honored to be, you know, to have been asked to run that prayer room. It's, uh, you might pray for me that I honor the Lord in it every step of the way and that I have wisdom as I pray and that he gives me the right words of encouragement to share with the parents who are going to be asking for prayer. And I would love for you to join us. And my sessions, one is about long-term unit studies, which, oh my goodness, looking back, they were the best. They were the best. They were the best. And you can do that as a non-homeschool parent. You can actually build a kind of a quote-unquote unit study about a subject that they're interested in and bring it back to your nightly family devotions. As we go into fall, it's a good time to get back on track with family devotions. So uh, you could you could watch my session and get ideas for that. And also, My other session is on praying Psalm 91 for your family. So if you're interested in that, grab a ticket, start with the free one if you want, get the paid one if you want. It comes with lifetime access, earlier access, the VIP package bonuses, all that kind of stuff. The free one, it's like 24 hours. You get to watch the videos or listen. I mean, you can play them and listen while you're doing your housework or whatever or driving. Um, But you'd have to like pick out which ones you want to listen to each day because they're only accessible for 24 hours. So either one is a great deal, but um, I'm just going to throw that out there. So those two links are going to be at the top of the show notes. Thank you for listening to my lengthy podcast today, but I pray it has encouraged and blessed you in whatever you are going through. God is there. Wait patiently for him. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord your God. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.